joining us now on the Payless Liquors Hotline. He is with The Athletic. He is Bob Kravitz. And Bob, we'll probably get into a little IU Purdue here in a minute. But before we do so, let's talk about this story that we were just discussing um, involving John Morant and the Pacers. Tell me what you learned and what the latest, if any, is on this story. Well, basically, I became aware of uh, what had happened. I guess it was Friday night and spent uh, all of Saturday kind of uh, crossing T's and dotting I's, getting in touch with the Grizzlies, getting in touch with the league. And then we felt comfortable running it, uh, I guess it was yesterday afternoon. Um, Basically, what happened was that um, Pacers uh, were congregating out by their team bus in the loading dock, and they came across uh, Devontae Pack and a bunch of John Morant's guys who were, uh, uh, you know, screaming at them, uh, saying, hey, you want a piece of this? You know, with the usual nonsense. And then uh, after John Morant came out of the locker room, they dispersed into two cars, and the car, the SUV where Morant was was uh, riding, um, a red laser emanated from that car and was aimed at Pacers players, coaches, and support staff. And the security guy for the Pacers was overheard to say, that's 100% a gun. Now, I don't know the first thing about guns, but I, after doing many research, uh, doing searches on Google, um, I, I guess there are sites that are attached to various types of firearms, um, to help, you know, with aim and getting people in the crosshairs and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, the Pacers were were scared to death. They thought they were going to be held up at gunpoint. The good thing is that the car, um, which had come close to the bus, drove off. But, you know, the, the, uh, the Pacers um, went uh, to security. Um, they, they wanted the league to look into it. The league looked into it and surprise, surprise, decided that it was no big deal. They couldn't, um, confirm that there was a gun, et cetera. And so this thing will probably die, um, at some point, but, uh, you know, that's, that's the Grizzlies. I mean, they've, they've built a culture over there that's, um, that's, uh, a little bit uh, concerning. Bob, do you know uh, what or who the Pacers players were out there at that time? I, I know Miles and Halliburton mentioned last night they were not out there. Um, you know, were any Pacers players out there during this time? Yeah, all, all I know is it was players, coaches, and support staff, men and women. Um, I do not. We do not know specifically who was out there because there were two buses. One bus had left earlier. Uh, you know, not everybody had emerged from the locker room at that. So we do not know exactly which players were out there. I believe James Johnson was one of them. So, Bob, the the thing that makes this interesting, aside from you know the obvious details that you mentioned, is that there is precedent for John Morant, maybe not so much John Morant as his entourage, for lack of a better yeah. phrase, getting involved. Is Is the NBA – my understanding is his brother – has been told not to come back to games this year. 
what is the NBA's level of concern, do you believe, not necessarily in this single incident, but in trying to police that it does not happen moving forward? Yeah, it's hard to say. They were very defensive about um, about this whole thing when we reached out uh, to them. Sam Amick, uh, my colleague, reached out to the league, and they were fairly defensive before uh, issuing a statement. I think if you're the NBA, you want this thing to just go away because, you know, the, the, the Grizzlies, for better or worse, are now – I mean, they've lost a bunch of games in a row, but they have been one of the marquee teams in the league. Certainly, John Morant, who just signed a big contract, I believe, with Nike. Um, I believe it's with Nike. Um, he is clearly one of the marquee players in the league, and they do not want uh, this kind of stuff getting out there that uh, players or friends of players are aiming guns at opposing teams. Um, so I, I think they would, all things considered, rather just sweep it under the rug and act like it never happened. And Bob Kravitz with us from The Athletic. You can find more um, in his latest that's currently up there right now on that incident. Um, Shifting gears, Indiana Purdue from Saturday. Bob, what did you think was the difference in the game? I thought this. I thought the uh, the others. I thought, you know, everybody was looking at Edie versus Jackson Davis, but I thought that uh, I, I, Jalen Huchifino, I'll, I'll just say, I think is the best NBA prospect uh, on the Indiana team. I think he's a first rounder eventually when he decides to go that route. But I thought Jalen Huchifino with 12, 12 of the 16 in the second half, I thought Galloway was real good. Cop hit a couple of shots. And Woodson said after that, uh, I thought, I, I, he thought that I used secondary guys outplayed. Purdue secondary guys, and I think he's he's absolutely right. Um, they got a lot of good minutes. I mean, Caleb Banks came in, played well. Malik Renu uh, gave them some good minutes. So I thought it was the guys other than Trace Jackson Davis and Zach Eady. Yeah, I would, I would totally agree, Bob, regarding Jalen hood Shafino. You know, Matt Painter after the game kind of made a – a comment about mock drafts essentially mocking them, which I totally get, right? But at the same time, I still look at him as a barometer. And Jalen Hood Shafino, it took a while, but now his name is starting to surface on those like in the mid 20s. And I think that's probably yeah. the late end. I mean, I think he can improve from there. And I would be oh, yeah. stunned if he doesn't come out this year. Would you? Yeah. I mean, look, if you're, if you're a first round pick, I've always felt that unless you have a burning desire to continue your education or you can, or you can help yourself significantly, uh, it's probably best to come out. I do not know his, his family's financial situation. So, you know, that always, that always uh, um, has an impact on what guys decide to do. But you're right. Uh, I looked at mock drafts and I saw him in the mid twenties. And quite frankly, I did I did not know until I talked with uh, some NBA folks that Huchifino is that highly regarded, but he is, and he's played really, really well. Still too many turnovers. He had that one horrible one-for-14 game against Maryland, but he's been really good, since, especially since Xavier went out.
Yeah, he was huge late with Trace not scoring the final 10 minutes. Jalen Huchifino, big time for Indiana. Again, Bob Kravitz with us from The Athletic. Bob, I asked this to Jake earlier, and I'll ask it to you now. You feel more confident right now in Purdue making the Elite Eight or Indiana making the Sweet 16? Um, I You know, it's funny. I, I, I'm pretty bullish on both, guys. I, I mean, I really am. Um, you know, the thing that scares me about Purdue is what happens if Zach gets in foul trouble. Now, it, it has not been a problem this year. Um, but I, you know, he doesn't have Travion sitting on the bench waiting for him. I mean, Kaufman Wren is going to be a player, but I don't know that he's developed to that point. Um, uh, I think, I think I think in the sweet 16 is probably a safer bet. Um, yeah, there's, there's a really, there's one less variable within, with Indiana, you know, it takes one less game for Indiana to make the sweet 16, Therefore, if it's a draw, you go with that, right? Because it's one less right. variable. Exactly, exactly. That's a great question. And again, I'm, I come on here for column ideas, so you know, <laughs> that's right. It has and, nothing and, to do with you, with you guys. They just come on for column ideas. Well, yeah, we all got to be selfish in this world. Um, exactly. and Jake and I were talking earlier. I mean, I think both fan bases exit Saturday. Of course, Purdue's feeling you know, good. Yeah, of course, Purdue wanted to win the game, but. I mean, there are a lot of reasons why foul foul shooting turnovers that you don't expect that to be the norm for for Purdue and Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer are going five of twenty. Like I think both fan bases exit Saturday just continuing to feel very encouraged. Agree completely. I mean, if I if I'm Purdue, I look at the way they played in the second half. I mean, that first half was really out of character. Uh, Eleven turnovers for a team that averages ten point nine turnovers per game. They had 11 in the first half. They're 10, 10 of 17 from the free throw line, including Braden Smith, who I believe was 204. So I, I thought that there was a lot, a, a lot that was out of character for Purdue in that first half. But I thought the way they played um, and toughed it out in the second half, they they got beat by one or two possessions in the end uh, in an impossible place to win, generally speaking. So yeah, if I'm I'm feeling good if I'm both teams. You know, IU now six out of seven. Purdue falls all the way to 22-2. and two. They'll both be fine. Bob, you have – obviously, you've been to Vegas, right? Not that often, but, uh, yeah, on occasion. Okay. So you go to Vegas. Let's say your wife just decides she wants to go somewhere and lay by the pool and enjoy nice weather. So you go to Vegas. While okay. you're there, they have a, they have a special offer. You get to ten bucks. You get to buy. You have to pull out of a hat a name of coaches that has been interviewed at least twice by the Colts. And if you pull out the one that ends up getting the head coaching job, you win a grand. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to give you a list of names, and I want you then to tell me which one you would be the most excited that you drew, and which one you would be the least excited because you'd tell your wife you just wasted ten bucks. The names that you draw out, you have the choices. Raheem Morris, Jeff Saturday, Aaron Glenn, Jim Harbaugh, Brian Callahan, Eric Bieniemy, Mike Kafka, Shane Steichen, Rick, uh, Rich Bastasia, Wink Martindale, Bubba Ventrone. Which of those would you say, I just wasted my money, and which one would you be the most confident you're going to win? Well, I'd be most uh, disappointed if I got Jeff Saturday. I mean, with, with all due respect, I mean, I like the man a lot, but he's not 
a head coach in this league. Uh, I would be. But do you think the Colts think that? Do you think he's out? Yeah, I, I, I do not think that in the long run that his name will be pulled out of the hat by Jimmers. I, I, I don't have a ton of inside information, but the way this thing is proceeding, I do not think that Jeff Saturday is the guy. Um, I'd be most excited. I'll give you three names uh, since that's, I know it's cheating, but I like Raheem Morris because I very much like, I like guys who've done it before. Um, at the same time, they really need a quarterback whisperer. And toward that end, I think you're looking at Steichen and Callahan. And uh, Peyton is a big Callahan supporter. Um, so, you know, whatever that means. But uh, those are the two guys because they're going to start over with a new quarterback. And I want somebody uh, who's got a, a history, a personal history of developing young quarterbacks as both those guys have. And Bob Kravitz with us here. Bob, looking ahead to Thursday's trade deadline for the Pacers. Obviously, the big news last week, Miles Turner related. You expect right. anything of substance for the Pacers on Thursday? I think there'll be some minor around the edges type deals. Um, maybe get themselves a, a few more, uh, a little more, uh, a few more assets, maybe in the draft. But I think it'll be minor. I, you know, once. You know, I guess it's possible they they move Buddy. They're once again they find themselves in a really weird spot where they're just good enough to be on the edge of the play-in tournament, but they're not good enough to do anything. So, I would I would think that you'd rather be a seller than a buyer at this point. I tend to think they're going to do very very little and just kind of tinker around the edges. That's the sense I get from talking to people down. Uh, down there do we um i guess last thing are we waiting for anything more on the john morant front like you said the nba has responded but pretty much memphis has responded is there any kind of lingering things we should be on the lookout for no i don't think so i think the you know the nba has uh, really tried to sweep this under the rug i can see stories coming about memphis culture you know a lot of Stuff has happened, uh, you know, uh, with, with you know on the court and off the court. Um, you know, you know what? You know, I'm showing my age again, but you know what? This John Morant thing reminds me of his early days of Allen Iverson. You know, Allen surrounded himself with some less than savory folks. Not that Allen was, you know, pure as a driven snow either, but. Uh, that that's what this reminds me of a little bit. I don't know what Jaws issue is. Uh, he had a tweet about hollows, you know, like hollow point bullets, you know, uh, where that comes from. I have no idea. I don't know if he's a fake tough guy or whatever, but I, I think there are stories down the road on the Memphis culture and what's happening there. Um, but as far as this particular incident, I think this is probably a done deal. I think um, the Pacers uh, you know, got what they wanted out of this, which is to tell people, hey, we really uh, felt threatened and we're sick and tired of the league doing nothing about this, about this culture they have in Memphis. Interesting. Uh, you know, heck of a player, Bob. And, and I was telling Kevin earlier, I, 
I think the world John Morant as a basketball player, he's an unbelievable talent. He's fun to watch. But uh, I'm always – and I'm not saying this is the case here, but whenever you get a guy that goes from being somebody that hardly anybody's ever heard of to being one of the most famous athletes on the planet in the course of like six years, you never know which way it's going to go. You know what I mean? Just understanding right. how to handle all of that kind of stuff. <laughs> Well, you know, you're 20 years old or whatever he is, and you suddenly got $200 million, and you've got, you've got buddies and people and hangers-on uh, who maybe you grow up with. You want to continue to take care of them, and that's good. God bless them. But don't go down those bad roads, man. Uh, you know, it, it, can't, it can't possibly end well for John Morant. And uh, you would hope that, there would be some sort of intervention, whether it's by the Memphis organization or by the NBA, you know, by Adam Silver, saying, hey, this nonsense has got to stop. And it's not just him. I mean, it's Dylan Brooks hitting uh, Spider Mitchell in the, in the Nuggets the other day. Um, this kind of, you know, and the thing with Shannon Sharp. So, I mean, there's a pattern of misbehavior with the Memphis Grizzlies that's really concerning. And Bob Kravitz, he brings his insight. I guess we throw a couple column ideas his way. It's, you do. I always appreciate it. Yes, it becomes a weekly Monday segment for us. Thank you, Bob. All right. Thank you, guys.